of the Dice Tower Network and a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes to successfully pack all the games you bought at Gen Con into your luggage. Board Game Blitz is sponsored by Gray Fox Games. This week, we're talking about Gen Con. First, we discuss a couple games we've played recently, like Holding On, The Troubled Life of Billy Kerr, Trapper Keeper, and Kenny G Keeping It Sexy. Then, we talk about my experience at my first Gen Con and how it compares to Ambie's experiences there in the past. And now, here are your hosts, Ambie and Crystal. Recently, I got a review copy of Holding On, The Troubled Life of Billy Kerr, which was published in 2018, designed by Michael Fox and Rory O'Connor, and published by Hub Games. And I think people have heard me talk about this one in the past, so I'm glad that you got to get a copy of this to try it out too. Yeah. Well, I had tried like the first scenario at BGGCon when it came out, I think. Okay. But... When we, we played it then, I played with Toby and some other people, and Toby did not like it, so he didn't want to play it again with me. And it's a two to four player game, it's, but it's cooperative, so I tried playing it by myself, like with three players, since it's cooperative, and since I wouldn't be able to find people to play it with otherwise. Yeah, and there's not really <laughs> any like hidden information between yeah, the different players. So Yeah, so like, yeah, the way the game works is it's about this old man who's dying and you're trying to your nurses trying to like have him make sure he has like a decent rest of his life yeah he's basically <laughs> in hospice care yeah, he, like he will die but it's you're trying mm-hmm. to extend the quality of his life yeah. basically and you're talking to him getting his memories so you're, you're moving pawns around there's morning uh, afternoon and night shifts and like bad th- cards come out where, where it's either like emergencies or different actions that you can do you can either give them care or you can talk to him and like try to get memories from him which is this deck of cards and there's first it's unclear memories and then you get clear memories later to to see what happened and so like that's the only hidden part is when you get the memories are face down until the end of the round but they're hidden for everyone, so I figured that doesn't really playing it three players as one person doesn't really affect. Yeah, it doesn't that doesn't much. affect anything. Yeah. So I played through the third scenario. There are ten scenarios to the game, and it goes through a story. So each scenario, it it has some more like you learn more about the character. His name's Billy Kerr. Um, you learn more about him and his past, and like some new mechanics get get introduced like you have to call his family members or you have to like get specific memories in order to complete the objective and so I really liked the story part of it and like the idea of the game but when I was playing the scenarios the the second scenario I was able to finish pretty easily but then the third scenario there was no way I could I could win it because of the random card draw so the way the getting the memories works, it's like random card draw and you're supposed to get specific ones. And it does introduce a way that you can like search for specific ones, but you have to have gotten one of that category already. And I didn't get one of that category until like I was already halfway through, like I had gotten like half of the cards already. So I thought the randomness was, it detracted from it. And I didn't want to replay the scenario after I was finished with scenario three because I had already seen most of the memories and then failed. 
And so um, I ended up not playing more and just like reading through the, the different scenarios in the story because I really liked the story part. Yeah, and they pieced together Billy Kerr's life from like real, like not a single person's life, but real people's stories. Yeah, so it's real events. So that was really interesting. So holding on, I liked the story, but the gameplay was too random for me. See, what's interesting is I actually didn't mind, like, I didn't think it was too random. So Mm -hmm. uh, when I gave my initial impressions, I was very impressed with this game. And that was like just having played it like a little bit. Mm -hmm. And as we played more, I definitely got to a more similar place to where you're at. I think mechanically, this game has issues. Um, The story is amazing. But Mm -hmm. the so and there's ways to mitigate both the partial memories and complete memories uh, that get introduced. And this isn't really a spoiler, but like, because I won't give the details, but Mm -hmm. they give you ways to mitigate both decks of cards. But the problem is you need resources to do it. You have to be able to spend a specific type of tokens to do the mitigation. And those tokens are also necessary to actually give Billy medical and palliative care throughout the day. Mm -hmm. So you it's weird because I want cooperative games to be difficult, but because of how this one feels story-wise, it felt too difficult in most of the scenarios that we played. And I, like you, did not want to replay any of them. There was like, when you played Pandemic Legacy, for instance, and I know this isn't a legacy game, but when you played through a scenario of Pandemic Legacy and you lose, you you get to replay that month one Mm -hmm. time. But yeah. at the end of the first playthrough, you still get benefits. You still mm-hmm. get to add event cards into the deck. So it mm-hmm. changes that second playthrough. In this yeah. game, when you replay a scenario, it's absolutely nothing changes. Yeah. And the mechanics are not novel enough to warrant multiple plays, especially yeah, with 10 scenarios. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they it didn't change enough over time to keep me interested. And honestly, I'm really bummed about that because mm-hmm. I wanted to love this game like so so much and I still love that it exists and I want Mm -hmm. to see more games like this but this one just did not keep my interest the way that I hoped it would yeah yeah because I think with a lot of story-driven games um you you just have to keep going like it doesn't let you replay things as much whereas in this one you can't go continue until you beat it so you would have to replay it indefinitely so it, yeah, like, and we, some of those scenarios, yeah. the ones that we lost, like we played through, I think we played through six or seven of the 10 before mm-hmm. we finally quit. And we did read through the rest as well then, mm-hmm. kind of like you did. But some of them, we looked at what we had to do and like we looked at all the cards and we were like, holy cow, the chances of us completing this, yeah. like even conditions would have had to have been perfect card draws would have had to have been perfect. They just seemed nearly impossible to beat. And that's... Yeah. That's not okay. Like, hard is one thing, you know, nearly impossible is a whole other thing. Yeah. So, unfortunately, holding on, we will not be holding on to. But I still, it's it's weird. I do think it's worth playing and experiencing for people. And if you do like lighter cooperative games with simple mechanics, there is some value here. Yeah. And we actually have an extra copy of it. So we might be giving that away in the near future. So if our review hasn't soured you completely and you do want to try it out, stay tuned for something like that, possibly. 
All right, well, as we're going to discuss shortly, uh, I just went to Gen Con and I got a bunch of games and I wanted to talk about a couple of the games from a single company. So Big G Creative has been kind of like hooked on to this nostalgia train <laughs> and has been releasing a whole bunch of games that are themed around things from the like 80s and 90s that were super popular. A lot, one board game from a year or two ago that a lot of people are familiar with is Bob Ross, The Art of Chill. But the two that I'm going to be talking about are... The Trapper Keeper game and Kenny G keeping it sexy. <laughs> sexy. S-A-X-Y. Sexy. <laughs> so the Trapper Keeper game literally comes in a container that looks like a tiny Trapper Keeper. And as soon as I saw that this existed, I nearly lost my mind. I had not heard about this prior to Gen Con. I don't know if it was a surprise there or what, if I just hadn't heard about it. But... It is a drafting and set collection game where you are trying to collect different types of school-related things to put into your folder. Like, and you have a tiny little Mead brand <laughs> folder, and if you put cards on the left or the right, it'll mean different things for how the doodles on those cards will score at the end of the game. So when you draft, you're drafting from a 9 by 9 grid, or sorry, a 3 by 3 grid of 9 cards. And you can either draft a whole row, a whole column, or from a specific pattern that is displayed on that round's card. And then play will continue with other players drafting cards. Any uh, set of cards that you pick up all have to go in a single side of your folder, the left or the right. And the cards are things like homework, which will score points based on how many of them you have. Quizzes, which are worth points in and of themselves. Then there's things like field trip slips, which only score if you also have a signature card. Mm. Then there's report <laughs> cards, which also only score if you have a signature card, and they're based on how much homework you've completed. <laughs> and then there's also secret notes from friends, and that's um, the more notes you have from different people is how many points you'll score for that. So there's a bunch of different things that score and you can focus on a single thing or a bunch of things kind of however you want. And then all of those cards, like I said, have doodles on them and uh, there's blue doodles on one side and red doodles on the other. And based on what side of your folder you slide them into, that is which doodles will score and the doodles are majority. So, so whoever has the most cool S doodles at the end of the game will get a certain number of points. And the cool S, which everybody knows, is that S that we all used to draw in our <laughs> notebooks where you draw the three lines and then the other three lines. Like, Where does that come from? Okay, so we talked about this at game night on Thursday. And I was like, wait. I was like, does anybody not know about the cool S? And everybody was like, no, we all did this when I was young. And I'm like, but right. But like in the 80s and 90s, how? How did we all know about the cool S? How long has the cool S existed? I'm going to have to do some And this Googling. was like pre-internet. So like how did everyone... Right. Like it's not like today where, you know, every kid knows the backpack kid dance because they see it online. Like everybody knows about the cool S. I don't think it was necessarily called the cool S for everybody. I, think I call it like Stussy S or something. I don't remember, but... I feel like I should probably do some Googling and actually find out. There's probably, a, like, an origination point for this somewhere, but it is fascinating that everybody knows about this darn S and everybody drew it in their notebooks. <laughs> and then the other doodles are more simple, like tic-tac-toe and a heart and things like that. But uh, it's surprisingly good. Not that I expected it to be bad. It is designed by Prospero Hall, which is kind of like a design... It's a group of designers and developers that are actually really skilled and make a lot of neat things. But 
it's really fun. It's really fun. I like it a lot. And my people in my game group that played it with me, my friend Harley, when we got done, he kind of paused for a second and he was like, that was a lot better than I expected. <laughs> like everybody enjoyed it. And that's saying a lot. And this game is widely available. It's at Target. So you can go pick up the Trapper Keeper cool. game right now. Uh, and I recommend you do so, whether you have kids or not. <laughs> Especially, honestly, if you're an adult, this is going to give you the most nostalgic, like, feeling and it's so good yay school yay school it is it was neat i was like "Ooh, i got a note from zuzu like i was very excited that somebody passed me a note in this game basically that's it's fun all right so moving on to things that are a little bit more musical kenny g keeping it sexy so uh in this game you are literally helping kenny g stay in the groove by using the power of jazz so you have a board that has six rounds on it. Uh, it's double-sided, so based on the number of players, it'll have different things in the different rounds. And Kenny G has this little wooden figurine of him that moves across the board each round, and event cards will come up that you have to deal with in the course of his day. So, like, Kenny G might get caught in traffic, for instance, or... He might run out of hair product. <laughs> There's like a lot of things that can happen to Kenny G to throw off his groove. And you are playing cards from your hand uh, based on color and symbol that have different sounds on them. And you play them to the event cards in the order uh, that the symbols appear. And then when you complete an event card, you have to say all of the sounds <laughs> in order. So like, they might be like, D wah 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 whoop bop. <laughs> So you have to like say the little riff that gets created by the cards that you laid down. And then if you complete the event cards, you get a bonus. Every round that you don't have that you have event cards you haven't completed, you have to roll dice. And for every pip that gets rolled, Kenny G loses groove tokens. And if the last groove token gets removed, Kenny G has lost his groove and you lose the game. Oh. So this one is mechanically a little bit more simple than the Trapper Keeper game, but it's really silly in a way that's fun uh honestly it feels like this is a really really good family weight game like it's cooperative which is great and the mechanics are pretty simple um you can pass cards between players as an action you can share cards with each other so i feel like this would be a good one to play with kids even if they kids don't know who kenny g is <laughs> necessarily i really <laughs> i liked it it's simple it definitely is simple there's not a lot of depth here but I think at a game night where it's kind of like the end of the night and we, you know, our brains are a little bit burned out from heavier games, this would actually be a fun one to pull out. Um, so this is also available widely at Target. Um, so both games were published by Big G Creative, both designed by Prospero Hall and both available at Target. So uh, head over to your local Target and get yourself some fun nostalgic games, friends, because honestly, it's just a delight. Uh, so that was Kenny G keeping it sexy. <laughs> All right. Well, those two games were ones that I acquired at Gen Con. So we should talk about Gen Con, Ambie. Yay, Gen Con. Woo. My first Gen Con. I will say a lot of people came up to me and said that they missed you and wished you were there, but they oh. understood why you were not. <laughs> yes. There were multiple reasons I was not there. <laughs> But I, like, I was just home alone. <laughs> yeah. Um, Well, people did miss you. Um, so I was working in the Dice Tower booth all four days. Mm -hmm. I was not at the booth all day, every day, thankfully. Because holy moly, even in the time I was there, my feet were killing me. Oh, yeah, because you're standing the whole time. Did you have like a mat or anything? 
We did have a mat, okay, that's good. although it wasn't as good as some of the other booths' mats, because, like, when I walked through some of the other booths, I would, like, step onto whatever they had, and I'd be like, ooh, this is cushier. <laughs> just stay there. <laughs> I know. I was kind of like, ooh, I want to just stand on this for a while. And we did have a couple chairs in our booth, but obviously I was, like, mm-hmm. trying to look like an active, caring person, not a lazy sitting in a chair person. (laughs) So uh, if you came up to me during the convention and said hello, whether that was at the Dice Tower booth or in the hall or wherever else, that was awesome. Uh, So many people came up to me. Ambie, I I handed out a ton of Blitz swag. I handed out stickers and dice and badge ribbons and pogs. Some people specifically requested pogs. Ooh, did you play pogs with them? I did not Uh. play Pogs, unfortunately, but I I kept telling people, I was like, yeah, you know, Pogs are very hot right now. And they all laughed at my dumb joke. So thank you for laughing at my dumb joke. serious. (laughs) So serious. (laughs) But yeah, like lots of people would come up to me and be like, I'm a Blitzketeer. So that was really super fun. Um, And I loved getting to meet more people that I've never gotten to meet before. But yeah, so this was my first Gen Con. I'd say it went pretty well. (laughs) So how did it? compared to your expectations of what Gen Con was like like did did you have expectations for what it would be like versus how it actually was definitely and I it's weird because I think it was exactly what I expected and not at all what I expected (laughs) all at the same time like I knew that there would be way more stuff than I would be able to see or do yeah like I was certain of that and yet I was still surprised by how much stuff there was to see and do. Mm-hmm. Like, those two things shouldn't go together, but they kind of do. What I was telling people toward the end of the con that most people seem to agree with is I said, I've never simultaneously felt like I've done too much and too little during an event. And that is mm-hmm. what I felt like during Gen Con is I felt like I had done too much because I was exhausted and tired and never had a break. And also too little because I missed out on a lot of things that I really wanted to do. And like there were certain events that I even just like stopped by briefly. Like I went over to the Rolling Dice and Taking Names Strike Tournament Mm. and I was not aware (laughs) that it is like a full formal sit down meal. Oh yeah, they have like tickets for it now. (laughs) Yeah, like I had no idea (laughs) because I'm way behind on everything apparently. So everybody was sitting down and like about to eat a full spaghetti meal or whatever. Mm. And I was like, oh, I just wanted to watch y'all play strike for a few (laughs) minutes. So I said hello to my friends that were there and said hi to Marty and Tony. Mm -hmm. Um, And this was the first time I'd gotten to meet Tony was at this con because I'd never met him before. So that was neat. And I basically just said, hey, I wanted to show up and show my support, but I can't stay for dinner because I had a business meeting that was dinner like just a little while Mm. after that. But I I got to go to Nerd Night, the charity event that happens every year. Um, That was really fun. And I got to play Mm -hmm. some games with people, including uh, Raph and Charlie from Ding and Dent, who I'd never met either one of them before. So (laughs) that was super cool. But yeah, so as far as my expectations go, it was what I expected and also more than I expected pretty much across the board. (laughs) This is bringing back memories because I went to Gen Con two years ago and I also went to Nerd Night, I think. Because I played games with Raph and Charlie there. That's when I met them. And I went to the strike tournament, but it wasn't as formal back then. It was just playing strike in a bar. Right. And see, that's what I was expecting. <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize that it had turned into a fancy full day. Like, yeah. They pay for dinner for 100 people. Wow. Like, that's bananas. I just, like, <laughs> I, I mean, it's very generous. And I know that they have sponsors that help, like, support the event or whatever. But 
I felt really bad because I didn't know it was so fancy. <laughs> I looked online, for the record, I looked online for information about it and couldn't find anything anywhere. <laughs> so they, Marty, Tony, I love y'all, but you need to get better at social media because that's where I go for my info. <laughs> yeah. So what, what was your favorite part about Gen Con? Ooh, that's a good question. Honestly, it's it sounds cheesy because I say this about a lot of cons, but it's the people. Mm-hmm. Like getting to see and hang out with and high five and hug mm-hmm. so many awesome people. And especially it felt very at least gender diverse. Like the mm-hmm. crowds I, I we I me and somebody else tweeted about this at one point during the con. Like I went into the women's room at one point and I was like, oof, it's kind of stinky in here. And I was like, yay, it's stinky in the women's room. <laughs> like, because obviously oh if there weren't a lot of women, the women's room would stay perfectly clean and whatever. And there would be no lines, but there were lines. So guess what? There was a lot of ladies at Gen Con and that yay. makes me happy. So favorite part, the people easily. That's cool. And at Gen Con, you're, there's like the Dice Tower booth, so you're there specifically meeting people, right? Yeah. It was nice because then people who wanted to find me, like, hey, mm. where are you going to be? I could tell them I was going to be yeah. at the Dice Tower booth, and that is the best way to come and find me. Because, yeah, it was it was hard to coordinate stuff, mm. and I was not great at scheduling things. Like, I would be like, oh, yeah, I'm available on this day, and then I would look and be like, oh, no, wait, I'm not available then. So... I guess I'll add an addendum to my favorite part. Doing the Dice Tower live show was also a lot of fun. In a theater full of 1,200 people. Like, that was just really, really cool. That's cool. So I enjoyed that quite a bit. So when you went to Gen Con two years ago, what was your favorite part of the con? Um, It's hard to remember now. Well, I I liked (laughs) the strike tournament a lot because that was exciting. It was the first strike tournament, and then it was less formal, and Toby won, which was exciting. Yeah, uh, three years in a row now, gladiators <laughs> in an arena. Yeah. So team gladiators in an arena forever. But yeah, I also liked just being at the booth and meeting people, or just, just being in the booth. I also like, like uh, selling the little stuff, giving out the swag and promos and stuff that's fun (laughs) yeah I will not lie I was pushing the stickers and dice towers that have my little dice guy on them a whole lot like anytime somebody was like oh look at the cute animals I was like haha doggos (laughs) yeah but yeah I know my least favorite part was like the crowds and (laughs) there's just so many people and it's it's so big that it's hard to find things too yeah I think I would agree and I'm like crowds don't necessarily bother me until I'm in them and like (laughs) walking through the vendor hall on the busy days you just like you can't move where you want to move and you can't turn when you want to turn and you always feel like you're in somebody's way Mm -hmm. or you other people are in your way and I you know I'm a very polite person so I tend to like I'm like okay I'll let that one person pass okay I'll let that next person also go and then I'm (laughs) stood there never moving yeah yeah, I'm literally like you kind of have to be a little bit pushy and I don't like to do that so Mm -hmm. that was not fun I would literally just like dash into the dice tower booth and be like okay I'm away (laughs) from the crowd and it felt way different which was great yeah yeah, because, like, wandering around the vendor hall, I remember, like, it being stressful because there's so many people. And you're just, like, you have your own little little tiny bubble of space that's not really a personal bubble at all. And then, <laughs> right. then you go into the dice tower booth and you're like, ah, oh, I can breathe. <laughs> yeah, really. It's, it's night and day different, which is crazy. Yeah. But Was there anything that surprised you about it? The thing that surprised me the most 
I think. Like, everyone that's gone to Gen Con in the past, or most people, tend to be like, oh man, I brought home way too many games. Mm -hmm. And when I've attended other board game conventions, I've never really been the type to get a bunch of games. Like, that's not typically me. When I'm at a convention, I don't feel that that pull to Mm -hmm. like buy a lot of things and gen con was the first time i really felt that like i know for a fact that i could get those games online or in my local store like literally the day after gen con like it's Mm -hmm. not like most of these things are widely unavailable and for whatever reason i felt like i needed these games ambi which i know i don't for the record (laughs) Nobody needs any games. Nobody needs any particular games at all, including me. But, who man, when I was there and I knew Point Salad was going on sale on Saturday, because they were, so AEG did their, like, game night thing on Friday night. Mm-hmm. And then they didn't start selling Point Salad until after that, so Saturday morning. Literally Saturday morning, when I got into the hall before it opened, because I was working in the Dice Tower booth, I went over to AEG's booth and I was like, can I buy a copy of Point Salad? And they were like, yes, you can. And I was like, yes. Wow. And I felt like I needed to do that. And that's weird. Like, I don't, I love Point Salad. It's great. But I don't need to own it. I don't need to own it right away. And I felt like I needed to get it. I don't know what it is. Gen Con has some kind of like voodoo magical powers or something, (laughs) at least on me, because I, and my hall was way smaller than a lot of people's too. Like Mm -hmm. it was big for me, but, and I did uh, like eight of the games that I got were review copies that publishers offered to me, but then the rest of them I bought on my own and I spent way more money than I should have. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So that's what surprised me is that I spent a lot of money, basically. <laughs> Did you do any of the organized events other than the Dice Tower Live show? I don't think so. Okay. Like, I watched some of the, like, stuff that happens, like the balloon animals and oh, Cardhalla, uh-huh. but I didn't get to see Cardhalla get knocked down. I saw mm-hmm. it, like, when it was almost fully built, and then the next day when I walked in, it was just empty in there. And I was like, <laughs> wow, like, that's, it's just gone. Yeah. So I kind of wish I'd stuck around Saturday night to watch it go down because I think that would have been fun. But yeah, like organized events, I didn't really attend anything at all. And yeah. I didn't even go to Lucas Oil Stadium. I didn't go to the oh. like tunnel between the things like that connects them. Uh, somebody asked me at one point like what I thought of Lucas Oil. And I was like, don't know, didn't go over there once. <laughs> there was too much stuff. Yeah, there's so much stuff. But yeah, and like a lot of the events you pay extra for too, because we had done, we got a couple of the ticketed events last time. And like even the scheduled games, you pay for a ticket to play the game, which was different than what we're used to at other conventions. Because like the other conventions we go to, like Dice Tower Con, is just like open board gaming and everything is included in the price. But yeah, so with Gen Con, all the other events were extra, which was weird. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of people had warned me away from overscheduling myself mm-hmm. prior to the con. And I think I went too far mm. in not scheduling. <laughs> I think I, I wish I had scheduled more things, even though I did, was able to keep busy. It's not like I was sitting around twiddling my thumbs. Yeah. I wish I had scheduled more specific events in advance mm-hmm. or more meetings with publishers. Because I, I would like to represent, you know, our brand, the Board Game Blitz brand, and also my part of the Dice Tower mm-hmm. more visibly. And I did not know that if you are on the exhibitor list for Gen Con that you're not on the press list and if you're on the press list 
you actually get um, your information emailed out to all of the exhibitors so they can uh. contact you in advance of the event and set up meetings and things like that. So I now know that I need to get added to the press list if I'm on the exhibitor list. Like, it's just a lot of things mm-hmm. like that that I kind of learned that I could do better. And like I said, none of that is a detriment. None of it made my con experience bad. I just was like, oh, these are things that I could have done better and I will do better next time. So yeah. so now you know for next time. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So I guess if we were going to wrap this up, we, you know, like we've said in the past, if you are a person who plays any board games, you're a board gamer. You do not need to go to board game conventions yeah. to validate your board gamerness <laughs> at all. But for people who do want to go to Gen Con, like what would we recommend? If you've never been to Gen Con before and you're interested in it, would mm. we even recommend that you go at all? Like for me, I think the answer is yes, because it is an experience unlike any other that I've had. So mm-hmm. I think that it's worth doing if you're interested. What, yeah. would, what do you think? Yeah. I think it's like a at least once in a lifetime experience. For me, it's not the type of convention that I would go to because I, I prefer the games with or the conventions with open gaming and the more like casual, relaxed atmosphere, less fewer people. Um, <laughs> but But it was a really interesting experience and so just going for that one time and seeing what it's all about was really cool yeah and there's a lot of different ways that you can do gen con like you Mm -hmm. can just be an attendee and get a four-day pass and go all four days and do a whole bunch of events and whatever else but you can go for just one or two days they have badges for individual days that you can buy so that way you're just there you know go oh go go nuts (laughs) on one day Although if you live far, that might not be cost effective. I mean, probably not. But a lot of people, I mean, it's smack dab in the Midwest. So I feel like a lot of people are at least driving distance. Yeah, if you're driving distance, then it might be worth one or two day pass. And there's always um, the option of uh, reaching out to publishers who are looking for Mm -hmm. booth staff. Because a lot of the publishers need people to demo games in their booths or in the, like, the secondary hall. Mm -hmm. Um, And so if there are, like, if there's a publisher that you're super familiar with their games, then you could theoretically reach out. And I know some do volunteer positions. Some have paid positions. Obviously, I'm not going to speak to the specifics of any of that since I'm not super familiar. But if you're looking for an experience kind of similar to what we had, where we had a place, like a home base, a place mm-hmm. to that we were needed to be, um, that we could always kind of call home, then maybe volunteering at a booth would be an option for you. If And especially yeah. if you're if you're good with people, that yeah, can yeah, be a lot definitely. of fun too. Yeah. So... Gen Con, two thumbs up from me, even though I feel like I did parts of it wrong. I still enjoyed myself thoroughly. I think that means you didn't do it wrong. If you if you enjoyed yourself, like... It's, it's, it's funny wrong. because I know of a lot of things I could have done better and I still yeah. had a great time. Yeah. So that's, that's a good convention right there. Mm-hmm. And that's it for this week's Board Game Blitz. Visit our website, BoardGameBlitz.com, for video and blog content, as well as to get links to all our social media pages. This episode was sponsored by Gray Fox Games. After the Empire is live on Kickstarter right now, so don't miss your chance to get this exciting new worker placement game. Gray Fox Games. Quality games cleverly crafted. If you're enjoying the show, you can rate and review us on your podcast provider or consider becoming a patron. For as little as $1 a month, you can unlock access to unedited episodes and our private Slack channel, which lets you chat with us and other Blitz tiers directly. Head to patreon.com slash boardgamelist to become a patron today. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Marr support provided by Toby Mao. Board Game Blitz is part of the Dice Tower Network. Until next time, I'm only human. A 
flesh and blood I made Human Born to buy board games Bye everyone! Uh, you have a board that shows uh, the different uh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> as well as getting it, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> um, okay. And take two. <laughs> Visit our website. I'll just start over. <laughs> and that's it for this week's board bake. <laughs> Is it board bake? Board <laughs> Bame, maybe. <laughs> board bame bits. Board game. Board blame. Board blame blitz. <laughs> yeah, we need more alliteration. <laughs> okay. <laughs> more alliteration. Da, 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 da. Alliteration time. Tell the kingdom. <laughs> Last episode, we asked you to retheme a game about mech farming for people who come to your door uninvited that are covered in bubbles. What game was that, Ambi? That was Soapy Solicitor's Scythe. And I know we had at least one person guess two of the words right, yeah. but one, missed one of them. And I was like, ooh, you're so close. <laughs> I don't, oh, they, I think they said Soapy Salesperson's Scythe. Yeah, yeah. But that's, I think, um, so that would technically fit. So maybe we'll, we'll count that. I guess that counts for, you know, fake yeah. internet points. <laughs> All right, this episode, uh, your alliterative puzzle is to retheme a game based on a movie that features a predatory ocean creature for people who oversee trials that happen to be very rough around the edges. Good luck, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>